welcome you this morning to the Lord's house. We're glad that you are here in person and online with us today. We're going to begin our worship with number 408, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Let's stand, please, to worship the Lord. Let's ask the Lord, please, to bless us in our morning service. Take a moment just to settle our minds and our hearts before Him in prayer. Our loving God and our gracious Father, in the Savior's name, today we bow once more in this place of prayer, in this house of worship, We ask, Father, that we might be very, very conscious of the Spirit's help in our meeting, that each one of us would be aware of the Savior with us, opening the Scriptures to our minds, helping us in our understanding of the Word, writing its truth, Lord, upon our hearts. We come, Father, this day in as great a need as ever, depending more and more 
upon the Spirit's direction and help. I pray, Lord, that we would be very, very conscious today of the weakness of our own self, the fact that we do not depend on our own wisdom, understanding, spirit. Lord, pour out upon us now this morning the spirit of supplication and of prayer. Ask that the Savior would be glorified in our meeting, and that as we sing and pray and read the Scripture, that each heart would be open to the Word. Father, we stand today in great need of Your blessing. We stand in need of Your reviving. And we pray for the blessing of heaven upon our gathering. Dear Lord, bless us in our day-to-day life, in the witness that we have, the desire we have to lead souls to Christ. Lord, go in front of us. We ask for Your blessing on our families. We pray, Lord, Your blessing upon those who are grieving today the loss of loved ones. Remember our brother Ken. Today, help him, Lord, in the loss of his brother. We ask, Lord, that you would go in front of him in all of the details that have to be placed in order, and you would give clarity and understanding and help him in every detail, Lord, today. Father, remember our sick ones. We ask for your blessing and hand upon Serene. Lord, as she is in need of a touch on her body, pray for our brother Ron that you would help him and comfort him this morning. We ask, Lord, to be with those who are coming through times of surgery, different health procedures. Remember our sister Anna today. Help her as she is also recovering from that fall. Dear Lord, bless Brother Bodner. We pray for him today that he would know the very near comfort of the Spirit upon him in his time of great physical need. And so, Lord, bless us. We think of the upcoming outreach at the Highland Creek Festival, and we pray for your hand of blessing on us. We think of the times of prayer today and Monday and Tuesday and dear Father, all of the ministry, all of the Sunday school classes of the boys and girls, and dear Father, meet with us at the very place of our need. Help us in our nation, our land. We have great needs, O God, and we ask for the reviving of believers faithful to the Word of God across our land. Remember all those in our own fellowship, those without pastors and under-shepherds. Support them, strengthen them today. Dear God, we need this very moment. Grace that will help us, helping grace. And we approach the throne knowing that we come welcome 
And we come, Lord, in no one and nothing to make us afraid that we might approach with joy and peace. Lord, come near and help us this morning. Bless us now as we continue in our worship. We pray all these things in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Let's continue, please, in our worship today. Psalm 36. We have the verses that will be on the screen behind us. It's the, uh, we have this from our old hymn book, and we want to stand again as we praise God. We're going to read from the Word of God today, John chapter 1, the Gospel of John chapter 1, the first 14 verses. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. 
In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. We know that the Lord will bless His Word as we have read today. We trust it will be an encouragement and strength to your own heart. We want to welcome everyone today to our morning worship service. We're glad that you are here in person and online. We trust that you will know the Lord's help and strength and the refreshment of His Word to your heart today as we gather together also in fellowship. I want to say a word of condolence from our congregation to our brother Ken Osborne. Our brother Ken got news this past week of the death of his brother, and so we pray that the Lord would give strength and help to uh, the Lord's servant as he goes through all the details that have to be taken care of in such a circumstance as this. Do you want to remember our sister Anna Tan also in prayer? We learned last Wednesday that she suffered a fall and Wednesday was taken to the hospital, but uh, is back home again. And uh, thanks to the congregation. She wants to thank the congregation for your faithful praying for her. Also, please remember Brother John Bodner. He has come through his cancer treatment now and uh, yet is still struggling quite a bit just to you know, get things to get back together again. And I know he greatly would appreciate the prayers of God's people for him at this time. As you can see by our foyer, we are under some renovation at the moment, so please excuse that mess. And we are hoping that the new floor covering will be coming as soon as possible. And uh, do thank you for your uh, your prayers as we've been going through some renovations, some painting, and want to thank the men who've been involved in, in the repainting of the inside of the sanctuary and of the foyer, and a special word of thanks to our brother Robin Cleland, who has done a lot of that work as well, and appreciate all those who have helped. And on Thursday night, we had also some folks were able to come and give us extra assistance, and we very much appreciate that. Our brother Maher Lewis has been doing a lot of the groundwork and assistance in painting and priming and uh, odd jobs around, so uh, we appreciate those who have been helpful in all this area. 
want to say a word of welcome to Reverend Kim, his dear wife Hannah. They've joined back with us again. They were down in the States visiting their family and uh, doing some assistance there. And uh, we're very happy that our brother and sister are brought safely back to us again today. Remember, please, some of the ministry going on. And uh, we, this week specifically, well, today, we begin the first of a three special times of prayer. It will be this afternoon at 5 p.m. We'll go to about 5 to 6.10. And I know it says in your bulletin 4.50, but we'll start at 5 o'clock today. It will be on Zoom as well for those who would like to join with us. And today and Monday evening and also Tuesday evening, we want to join for prayer 7.30 on Monday and Tuesday, and it really is to focus on praying for our nation, praying for the reviving of the Church of Christ across our land, praying for our denomination and the need that we all have and the faithful of the Lord to know His uh, quickening and strengthening in these evil days. We know that the month of June in our nation and across is not one that we would rejoice in, in many, for many reasons, and we need to pray that God's hand would be upon us and encourage us. And then remember, please, the evening service tonight at 6.30, and then after that we will be having a Sunday school committee meeting following evening time tonight. And then remember, please, on Thursday night, oh, by the way, just to remind you, there will be no prayer meeting on Wednesday night of this week, so it's going to be the Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. There'll be no prayer meeting Wednesday night, but there will be a board meeting on and session Thursday night, 6 and 7.30. And then don't forget, Saturday is the Highland Creek Festival of Outreach for us, and it starts at 10 o'clock, goes from 10 to 4, and you can speak to our brother Jew if you would like to help and sign up on the sheet that's on the back table, and he will tell you exactly the timing of what you would be able to do. And then next Lord's Day, our services, Bible classes in the morning, and our morning service at 11 o'clock and the evening at 6.30. On July the 1st, we will be having a church family barbecue, and that will be from 5 o'clock in the afternoon until dusk, and you are welcome to come along, and there's no need to bring anything along apart from if you want a chair to sit down on or just have some fellowship, the food will be provided and also the drinks. We're going to sing again to the Lord's praise, number 410, and we'll remain seated while we sing. His be the victor's name.
Come, let's stand, please, for the fourth, the final verse, rather, verse five, and then verse one again. note of thanks we have from the Campbell family. In the recent memorial service we had for our dear sister Maslin Campbell, who went home to be with the Lord in January of this year, and uh, they write a note of their love and appreciation for and to the congregation uh, for that time together. And I would encourage you to pray and continue to pray for our sister Beverly and for her sister, who went back to California uh, just this past week as she returned back to her place. So we're thankful to the Lord for that time we had together. Turn now, please, in your Bibles again to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Now, I know that many of you have invested in life insurance or life assurance. And uh, in many respects, I suppose it's a wise thing to do. It's certainly not a bad thing to do if you're so moved in that direction. But of course, that type of insurance that you would purchase, it has only a limited value. And of course, the value is not for the person who deceases. They are gone. It's for those who are remaining. And yet, when we think of the subject of life assurance, that which is of great value, of most important value, it has to do with the assurance to the soul of the individual. And that is exactly the reason and the purpose that Christ Jesus has given to us such great assurance. We find this word contained in the Scripture we're going to be looking at today. So we're reading from John 14, verses 15 to 19. The Lord said, If ye love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another Comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, 
Because I live, ye shall live also. We'll still our hearts and please before the Lord in prayer. Father, we have your holy word open now, and these precious words of our Savior spoken, and we ask that they will be opened to our minds and applied to our hearts. Give me strength, Lord, today to speak this word faithfully and clearly, the power and the anointing, the unction from heaven. And I pray that every believer here would receive the direction and the help of the Spirit of God. And Lord, today it might please You to save precious souls that are still outside of Christ. Hear, Lord, our prayer today, for we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you are new to our congregation more recently, perhaps you will not be aware that we have been studying the life of Christ in some detail. And specifically, these last teachings of Jesus, which are contained uniquely in the Gospel of John, not found in Matthew, Mark, or Luke. The more I consider the final teaching of our Lord to His church from the upper room and from Mount Olivet, the more I praise Him, the more I appreciate the practical benefit for the Christian who drinks very deeply at this unique well, the well of God's Word, the well of this teaching of our Lord. Thousands of pages have been written by commentators as they try to grasp. They try to understand and see unfolded before them the great wonder of these words, especially as they come to us in the light of the imminency of the death and suffering of our Lord Jesus. So today, we want to look at the 19th verse of John 14, and these words of our Lord. He said this, Because I live, ye shall live also. Because I live, ye shall live also. How is it that you will define the subject of life? Before that question can really be answered in context, we have to take a few moments and define, well, what life are we talking about here? For example, there, there is biological life. 
We have plant life. You have animal life, human life. And I suppose if you're thinking beyond the physical world, we would have angelic life. Now, according to the Bible, all life comes from the God of creation. You know, at one time, the single-celled organism was thought by scientists to be called the simple organism of life. And yet, the more science investigates into the cell structure, these organisms, they are much greater and much more complex than initially was expected or thought. Plant life is necessary for the balance of nature and the maintenance of other forms of life. But vegetation does not think, and it doesn't feel, it does not possess a soul, no matter how much naturalists would try to tell us that when you cut a tree down, it feels pain. It does not have a sense of pain, does not possess a soul. And sometimes I think when we sing that hymn, This is my Father's world, the verse that reads, In the rustling grass I hear him pass. He speaks to me everywhere. It's coming a little bit too close to the subject of pantheism, the idea that God is not just everywhere, but God is actually in everything. That's not true. God is the creator of all life. But we do not worship a God that is a pantheistic God. Now you think about animal life, which is obviously more complex than plant life, as animals have an independent mobility, they have instinct, they are capable of defense and survival, but they do not possess self-consciousness. They do not know that they have being. An animal does not know that it is an animal. It operates under the creative structure of God, and it functions under the instincts that God has given to that animal. I know that pets in a family, they are responsive to the owners, and they have a higher level of understanding or of that instinct that they have given, been given by God, and therefore they are higher than a plant life, or for that matter, higher than an ant or a bug or a spider. But when we move into the existence of man as a human being, he is the highest expression of God's creation because we are made in the image of God, specifically in our unfallen state When Adam and Eve were created by God, He made man in His own image primarily as a spiritual being. Now, when the Genesis account gives to us these words, 
in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, we have a declaration about the origin of our solar system, including the creation of every form of life, all that would inhabit the earth. We are clearly informed in John chapter 1 that we just read from that Jesus Christ, the Word of God, is the Creator of all things, and that nothing that is made was made without Him. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The Son of God, therefore, is the one who creates life. He is the one who gives life. He is the one who sustains life. Indeed, the Apostle Paul will tell us in the book of Acts, in Him we live and move and have our being. And while all this is true, the words of Jesus in John 14 and verse 19, when He said, "'Because I live, ye shall live also,' these words, my dear brother and sister in Christ, have a much vaster meaning, a much deeper purpose. And to comprehend them, we must look beyond the physical, and we must grasp the spiritual." Because these words, they are weighty. They are words that have meaning of eternity behind them, of eternal life. If our life on earth is only that which exists for a few years, then what is man's life and what is our purpose? No, friend, the purpose of our life has been brought here by God to glorify Him forever and forever and forever. That is the meaning of life. No wonder why the Westminster men put in the words of our catechism, what is man's chief end? The chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. And the only way we can do that is by the possession of the eternal life that Jesus Christ has promised to us. I ask you today, friend, do you possess this eternal life? Do you have the life of Christ coursing through your very spirit and heart? Do you know Him today? Do you love Him? Do you possess Him as your own? I want you to notice, please, today, that all spiritual life originates in Jesus Christ. There is no spiritual life outside of Him. So whatever you have today, or whoever you are worshiping, or whatever faith you're following, if you do not have and know the Son of God, then you do not have life. Some people speak about being spiritually minded. They have either 
searched the religions of this world that emphasize a kind of spirituality of mind. They perhaps desire to be at one with nature or the spirits of this world. They want to know something of what's going on in the cosmos. Whatever force or entity that is, they want to try to tap into it, and so they will sense the wind blowing, or they will sense the power of thunder. They will look at the solar system and the energies that are there, and they try to take that into their soul, and they think that that is going to be the answer to their spiritual quest. But Satan has made many, many counterfeits to the real spiritual life. And he has made these counterfeits for a very good purpose. He wants to take people's minds away from the truth. And so Eastern mystic religions have looked to these spiritual beliefs. Or you could look at the subject of the native Indian and how they look to the animal creation of nature and birds and trees and the great spirits, and they're looking to see these things identified. But the God of this world, the devil, he has blinded the minds of all that believe not, friend. But for the Christian, for the one who knows Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we are today in union with Christ in salvation. We have union with our Lord Jesus, and that union is something that is more than just special. It's more than just unique. It is the amazing truth that you and I have been brought into a living relationship with the Son of God. This is a wonder. This is a marvel that goes beyond our comprehension. The only way that a man can find and know peace with God is by the salvation of his soul. And that means being brought into a union with Jesus Christ that is above every other type of relationship. In Christ is life, and the life is the light of men. And the light shines in darkness, the darkness of our own soul, and the comprehension that we've been given by the Spirit of God has brought us to embrace the light to embrace our Savior. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. My, that was the revelatory truth given to Nicodemus. This man who was a great teacher of the Jews, a ruler of the Jews, he knew the Old Testament like the back of his hand. He taught people the way of the Old Covenant, but he did not know who Jesus the Messiah was. He did not realize that a man had to be transformed from the inside, from the heart, by the divine nature being given to him. And when Jesus said to him, Nicodemus, 
there is only one answer to the question you're asking me. You must be born again. My dear friend, have you the knowledge of the new birth in your heart? Do you know what it is to believe in Christ? The only way that you can have peace with God is to be in a union, in a relationship with His Son. To be saved from sin, it means to be part of the body of Christ. And once you are saved, you are in a bond. You are in a hold that is so tight, so secure, that no power in hell would be able to break that tie. The union of Christ and the believer is the very heart of justifying grace. It is a miracle of salvation. It's a miracle that brings a man out of the darkness and bondage of his own sin into the light and liberty of the sons of God. And it means that when you're saved, you become a child of God. And Jesus Christ becomes our elder brother. This is not given to us by any will of man. John said that in chapter 1 of, verse, uh, of his gospel, that it's not by the will of man. It's not by the will of our flesh, but it is by the power of God. It is by the grace of God that we are taken into and welded into this union of Him, and that therefore God declares something that we are free from sin. Now, if a man is free from sin, he is free from guilt. And if a man is free from guilt and sin, there is no more judgment that can be brought against him. We are free. We have been given the gift of life. <clears throat> and once in Christ, Oh, we are held by the omnipotent hand of our Heavenly Father. And Jesus said that once in the hand of our Father, there is no power that is able to pluck us, take us out of His hand. We are held secure. Is there any safer place for you to be today? Is there any happier place for you to be today? Is there any place that could bring you more satisfaction of soul and heart? Oh, friend, sin brought death, but Christ Jesus, who is the life, brought spiritual life and immortality to light. Yes, we who were dead in trespasses and in sins have been made children of the Most High, and we are joined to Jesus we are joined in Christ in that spiritual life that He has given to us 
that we could not bring upon ourselves because God Himself is the fountain of life. And my friend, as Jesus stood and declared, I am the water of life. And the man who drinks of me will drink of everlasting life, never to thirst again. What? Never thirst again? The Bible chorus says, no, never thirst again. We have, my dear brothers and sisters, we are in union with Christ. We have union with Him. And because of that, it means that we also have communion with Him. And that is the sweetness of our fellowship with Jesus Christ our Lord. Let us bask in the fellowship that we have with our Lord Jesus, being alive in the Savior. We know Him as our Lord and our King and our friend. And what a marvel, what an amazing truth of sovereign grace that we who were the enemies of God have now been made His friends. And we have peace with God. We are now His children by faith. Having repented of our sin, we have received the divine nature. And the blessing of communion with Christ It cannot be overstated. No, you cannot speak of it enough. You cannot bask in the sunlight of that truth enough. You cannot wonder or marvel enough that we have communion with God. We have fellowship with the Son of God. We are able to talk with Him. We are able to walk with our God. We're able to know Him as our own. And He has defeated death for us. And He's taken us out of death and into life. And we know Him. Whom to know is life everlasting. And so as we took some time to think about the different ways in which you would express life or define it from the lowest forms to plant to animal to human life, All of those things have been the gift of God, and they are. But by far the greatest gift of God is that we have union with our Savior. We have eternal, everlasting life. It will never be taken from us. And through the Holy Spirit, we have this great privilege of speaking to our God and to communing with Him And so the hymn writer said, when we walk with the Lord in the light of His Word, what a glory He sheds on our way. While we do His good will, He abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. And in this we also, dear friends, have the outward expression of our life in Christ. What does that mean? The outward expression of the inward gift and possession of eternal life, it means that we have the privilege of shining for the Savior. 
we have the privilege of giving out of ourselves to Him and for Him. We have the great joy of sharing our faith with others. And that outward expression, should that not be, should that not be our possession each day? What is it we might ask that would hinder our outward expression of that inward eternal life? Do you know what will hinder that? Sin will hinder it. Sin that we have inside, that we have not confessed. Sin that mars the reflection of Christ through us. Those little foxes that spoil the vine. Those flies in the ointment of the pharmacist. Those things that are troubling and contaminating and that will make our life ineffective. And the devil wants to just plant one or two of those And as we heed that temptation of the wicked one, and perhaps we have embraced those things, my dear friends, they must be confessed and forsaken. They must be admitted to the Lord and say, Father, I need victory over those areas of temptation in my life. I have no might nor power against this great enemy, but if I want my life to be reflective and the outward expression of the inward peace and life that I have, And I say, Lord, fill me with Your Spirit. Empower me with a power that is not my own. Give to me the joy and peace in believing, and let my lips be that which will send forth the joyful praise of God. Is that not what we've been memorizing in Psalm 63? What did the psalmist say? My mouth shall praise Thee with joyful lips. Is that our testimony this day? I pray that we will reflect on these things and this truth because the more we think about it, the more we study it, and the more we pray for God's Spirit to make these truths evident through us, then the Lord will answer our prayer. It's one of those guaranteed answers to our praying, to pray for Christ-likeness, to pray for His Spirit to be shining through us, He will do it. We must ask and seek Him in that matter. So we know that all spiritual life originates in Christ. And please notice in the second place today, our eternal life It is secure in Christ Jesus. It is secure. It originated with Him, and it is secure in Him. For Jesus said in verse 19, Because I live, ye shall live also. We have in this a great assurance of possessing this life now. Believer, the devil would try to make you think that it's a myth. It's something that you can't have and possess now. And I say to the youngest believer in the congregation today, 
If you have asked the Lord Jesus into your heart, boys and girls, maybe you have trusted Him. Maybe you have asked Jesus to come in and forgive your sins. I say to you today, you have asked the Lord. He has promised to answer your prayer and to come into your heart. He has promised that. And if He is coming in your heart, then you have this assurance that He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. You can depend and trust in the Lord Jesus. And uh, I know that no matter whether you're a young person, a young child, or maybe coming through your teenage years, those are troubling times because the devil is chipping away at you. And he's trying to bring you young person to the point where you are questioning things about the Bible, questioning things about God's existence, questioning things about what you learned from your youngest days, even questioning what about the day you asked the Lord to come into your heart. You're wondering if that was a bit mythical. That was maybe not true. And the devil would say, are you sure you, you meant that when you asked the Lord to save you? Are you positive? And he's planting those seeds of doubt continually. Ignore the voice of the devil inside you. And my dear young friend, come back to the foundation of the Word of God. Come back to the foundation of Scripture and what Jesus has said. Because I live, you will live also. And that's the hope we have today. It's a tremendous assurance. And in Romans 8 and verse 1, the apostle said, there is therefore now no condemnation. Now, as a young person, you might not fully know what the word condemnation means, but it means simply you have the shortened word to be condemned. And if someone is being condemned, it means that they're under judgment for wrongdoing. And we are under the judgment of God because of our sinful wrongdoing. But thanks be to God today, the Lord Jesus took all that upon Himself, and so today we are free. That's why the apostle said, there is now no judgment. There is no condemnation upon the believer in Christ. For we have the life of Jesus inside us, in our hearts, our minds, our souls. And the assurance of our salvation today, it does not rest upon a profession of faith. I want to be careful about this here. I don't want you to misunderstand, young or old. Of course, we come to believe in Jesus and we make a profession that we receive Him as our Savior and we repent of our sins. The Lord uses that in us. But we've also read in John chapter 1 that it's not by the will of the flesh, not by the will of man. It's not by your verbal profession of faith. It's not by how necessarily you think, was I sincere enough? Was I genuine enough? Because, friends, many people have stumbled and they have fallen in that. And also, very sadly, 
Some folks have made a profession of faith and it's been nothing more than words. That's all it is. They were brought and led by someone, maybe well-meaning, just pray this prayer. Lord Jesus came into my heart and saved me from my sins. And because they prayed that prayer, they think, oh, oh, I'm all good to go. I'm all okay. But sadly, sometimes those words were just that. They were just words. They had never entered into the heart. They had never taken possession. And so let's realize today that the assurance and the certainty we have of our salvation, it's not by our ability. It's not by the amount of faith that you have. Because quite frankly, a lot of people think, I don't have much faith. My faith is so small. And I don't have enough faith even to believe in God. And yet Jesus said, if you have faith, of a grain of mustard seed, very small, almost insignificant. And the Lord was emphasizing, it's not the amount of faith, my dear friends, but it is very specifically the object of your faith. It is where your faith is being placed. And it's not in yourself. It's not in your ability. It is in the Son of God. And we cannot keep our salvation either because we have no power in ourselves. We have no ability in ourselves. And it's not going to be measured by the kind or the amount of works that we do. Our eternal life depends on the life of Christ and the fact that the price of our sins has been paid Atonement has been made and we have been accepted by the Father. And therefore, today, you and I, as believers, have boldness. We have confidence. We can know that we belong to Jesus and He belongs to us. And you know something, friend? It is the Spirit of God that bears witness with our spirits that we belong to Him and that He belongs to us. And this gives to us today a very certain hope for eternity. A certain hope for eternity. Peter writes about this in his first epistle in chapter 1. Let me read verse 3 to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you, for us, those verses are worthy of our memorization. They are worthy to pray over before the Lord many times. And especially when the devil's attacking you, causing doubts about your faith and about your salvation. Come to the Scriptures again, my dear friends, and listen to what God is saying to us. When Christ Jesus rose from the dead, he defeated death. 
and we rose with him. And though we're still on earth, we have the hope of eternity now. And we are seated already in heaven. And do you know that God looks upon you today, believer, as being glorified in heaven already? Oh, that's how finished the work God sees that Jesus did and how complete it is. We are already in glory in God's eyes. Nothing and no one is able to take us out of His hand. And so the hymn writer wrote, And because He lives, I can face tomorrow. Because He lives, all fear is gone. Because I know He holds the future And life is worth the living just because He lives. The truth of eternal life abiding in us, it is the help and the answer to face this life here and now. It's the answer to whatever is ailing you. It's the answer to whatever sickness you have. It's the answer to whatever debilitating illness you have. It is to know this, that your life is held in Christ and it will never be taken. And you have eternity to look forward to. Our our Lord now lives in the power of an endless life. At one time, you know, Jesus experienced weakness of the human flesh. One time He experienced hunger and fatigue, and sorrow, and rejection. But now, in the glory of His resurrection, He has defeated death, and He now possesses that eternal life in Himself. He has freedom from all the work that once He did on earth. His head was once crowned with thorns, and blood ran down his brow. But now, friend, that face that once was spat upon, that head and that face once rejected, he is reigning in glory. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we can rejoice in Him now. And we know that we possess that life that He has given. This is hope, friend, for us. This is something that gives us the right perspective on life. And I want you not to miss this. Because if you don't see this clearly, you don't possess this truth in your heart as a believer now, your perspective of life will be altered and wrong, out of focus. But once you have this knowledge and truth possessed in your heart, you have the perspective of life that will keep you going. One commentator, John Brown, he wrote it and put it this way, happy in prosperity, happy in adversity, happy in life, happy in death, happy forever. 
You see, friend, viewing our destination in light of the cross and all that has been accomplished for us, we are overcomers. We are more than conquerors through Him that loved us, Jesus our Lord. Do you know Him today? Do you possess Him as your own? Come to Him. Don't wait another moment. For He is the one who will give you true meaning in life. And He will give you the possession of everlasting life. Call upon Him now. Believe in Him with all your heart. And you will know that joy and peace in believing. We'll bow please in prayer. Lord, we have today been drinking in of these precious words of our Savior. And Lord, there is so much in these chapters of the Word. And we have passed by so much. Yet I pray that as we meditate and think on them, that the Spirit of God will reinforce them to our hearts and that we will grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus. Father, we lift up our hearts. We lift up our hands in praise and thanksgiving. We worship, O God, from all our hearts and pray that Your name would be magnified And we would be so bold to say, Lord, whether it be by my life or by my death, hear us now, Father. Keep us in the Spirit on Your day. Bring us back again to Your house tonight. In Jesus' holy name we ask. Amen.